Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by two guys who've just been sacked by Brandon Graham. What's up, Chucky G? <laughs> uh, the, the sack hurt, but man, I was just happy to see him get another one today. Uh, this is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And I'm Gene Zilak. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. And I even wore my gang green t-shirt today because I just felt the need to root on specifically the defensive line. So I thought spiritually maybe I could impart a little bit of our history by sitting on my couch with no shoes on in a t-shirt with badly drawn versions of Jerome Brown and Reggie White. <laughs> See, my, like gang, to... my gang green is due to an infection that just is not going away. I just like the idea that part of our history is Gene sitting on the couch with no shoes on. <laughs> they call him Shoeless Gene. It's, it's how I've watched Eagles games since about 1986. So, All right, so Eagles take care of business. They do the damn thing. Uh, they do what they're supposed to do. Eagles win, beat the Jets 31-6, to cover the spread. Everyone's happy. It's a great day in the Delaware Valley, right, guys? I'm happy. Um, I'm thrilled. All I wanted to see today was exactly this. I wanted to see a thorough ass kicking. You know, I wanted them, you know, you you can't choose to face a better team. They're facing a bad team, and I wanted it to look, you know, I wanted to see that disparity when I watched the game. And I was happy, happy to see it. Um you know, we might get to it, I guess, but there has been some grumbling about their level of play. I didn't care. You know, you know maybe some things could have been done better, but it, we we thoroughly kicked their ass, and I couldn't be happier. This is, was one of those things where I was mildly annoyed at the fact that coming off the field, it wasn't how well the defense played. Like, that wasn't the lead story. It was, well, you know, the offense didn't really seem like they showed up. They left a lot of points on the field, which... Yeah, like that's honestly for me, that's a conversation for tomorrow or, or Tuesday. Like, yes, it's a conversation that needs to be had. I'm sure they're going to talk about it in the locker room. Uh, but what the takeaway from that game should have been that was a confidence boost for a defense that has been much maligned. And you could really feels to me like it's trending up um, to a certain degree. You knew the Jets have one guy. They literally have one guy. They had stats all through the first and second quarter that was like, finally, one somebody else touches the ball who's not Le'Veon Bell, um, which I don't think I've ever seen that kind of like tracking in a game uh, before. I don't think I've ever seen like first player to touch the ball that's not LaShawn McCoy. Uh, I, like just never seen anything like that. So it was an interesting start way to start the broadcast. But um, yeah, that to me, the takeaway was Dan. The defense is certainly trending up. It feels like it's starting to to actually get hot to a certain degree. And I like the idea that the defensive line, who was, I think we had talked about at one point, was on, on pace for 11 sacks for the season. Uh, I feel like they, they got themselves some some stats that are that are that make them look a little more healthy. And uh, I feel like that's going to inspire them to, uh, to keep rolling. And goddamn, they can stop the run. Yeah, they they literally got more sacks today than they had the whole rest of the season combined, right? It was like oh, three yeah, to five. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they doubled up. They got 11, I think, or 10, uh, all told. It was double digits for sure. Oh, didn't they have three sacks coming into the game? Four. Yeah, that's what I they thought. Had, I thought. They, they had, had four. three sacks coming in and then they had four. They had four. Oh, four. 
Sorry, yeah, short I mean, and I think two of them were from the secondary. I think there was only two from the defensive line. So, okay, yeah, thorough ass whooping here. Uh, your quarterback threw for 189 yards, uh, one TD, a, a 59.3 QBR. Uh, you rushed for 84 yards. Uh, if you look at those numbers, it doesn't seem like we crushed an inferior opponent. But to a certain degree with the yardage, your defense did give you a lot of short fields in the first half. And then you kind of went into a shell. You didn't you you weren't you weren't trying to chew up yards downfield with long passes. You 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 ran the ball to a certain degree to to eat the clock. They did give I mean the Eagles got 14 points uh directly off of turnovers, literally uh, a a pick six and a and a and a, a strip sack which was the literal definition of a strip sack. I thought they were going to take uh that guy's jersey into the end zone with him. Um, <laughs> so to a certain degree, I, I, I wonder if there was a uh, a conservativeness to the play calling that Doug kind of um, scaled some things back that he, he didn't take the gambling kind of wild chances that he would have taken in a game that was a little more in doubt. This game... It just felt like he was he was playing at vanilla almost the same way you would play a, like a fourth preseason game. You don't want to show anything cool to uh, to Minnesota next week. Yeah, I, I, well, so that's that. I think that that was kind of where where we were headed with this. It's like, yeah, you can you can trash the offense all you want and say they kind of shut it down after the first quarter, but um, you know, how can you really even have a problem with that? You know, yeah. like, look, I'm sorry. The game was boring to watch. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Like that. You got to live with that. Uh, th there's no point in coming down on the offense, putting pressure on them about how they have to perform better uh, when they were really they really didn't need to do anything more than they did. And what they did was in the first quarter alone was enough, you know, the first drive, the, the first couple drives, I think they were perfect on third downs. And then they were, I think like two for 10 after that for the rest of the game. But at that point, it wasn't long before the rest of the game was whatever time. No, the only man. thing in question was into the third quarter was, are they going to cover or not? Uh, and then there was that really ridiculously dumb special teams play that caused a, a turnover and gave the jets a very short field. Um, that after their scoring drive, I just, wow, you know, at that point it was, wow, one more field goal and, and you know, they're going to cover the spread. Uh, really, that was the only dramatic part of this game whatsoever. And it was that was Corey Clement again, what, right? Right. He's he's back from his busted shoulder or whatever is, was wrong with him. And he's because Sproles had come out, I believe, middle of the second quarter with a with a with a calf injury. So we might not see him again to the playoffs. Yeah, is Clement going to be a knucklehead now? Is that what we're just going to – is this like his going to be his thing now? He's I feel just like, a knucklehead. I feel like he's just not the solution as a as a kick returner. Like he's just – it just does not seem – it seems like maybe like his skill set should fit it, but it just does not seem like when when bullets are flying that he's that he's making the right decisions or protecting the ball. I, I think they need to investigate. And I don't want to see Deshaun Jackson back there unless – Oh, God, li no, no. Literally the season is on the line. Um but you know, we, I think you got to go go through the line, you know, through your through you know your 
your your locker room and 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 see if you can't figure out who uh, who the actual punt returner is going to be. I, I don't think uh, I don't think that Clemens is the guy. Well, I mean, I, honestly, I don't know if I've said it on this podcast or not before, but I, I honestly think that a punt returner is the most terrifying profession <laughs> in professional sports. Uh, I I can't imagine like one other thing, you know, in a team sport situation uh, that I would be more terrified to do than to catch a punt. I don't know if we had this conversation on air, but we definitely talked about it. And God, it really is. I I'm racking my brain once again, but I can't think of anything. Like I feel like there's like tons of individual sports situations where I would be completely petrified uh ski jump uh mixed martial arts something like that but in, in, a, <laughs> in a team setting i honestly think i i would curl up in the fetal position in the middle of the field and just cover my head so here anyone comes, that does it i'm like you're amazing yeah here comes a long slow projectile high in the air and there are two to three hundred pound men charging at you <laughs> Do you think that there's, you know how like uh, when you're a kid or whatever and, and you're playing Little League and the, the, there's like a pop-up, you know, and you're like, drop it, drop it, you know, kind of thing to like mess with your – does that all go on down at the punt return? It's got to, right? I'm sure. I'm sure. they can get right – like all you got to do is just not touch the person, right? So you could really be a whole like I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you situation <laughs> – Oh, if I if I'm a gunner, I think I am I am like banshee wailing all the way down the field. <laughs> <laughs> like you're gonna think like the Scottish Armada or something is coming at you. I, I think I think most gunners probably have to come out of the game horse or else they're not doing it right. Can we get a banshee whale sample? <laughs> Maybe like at like twenty five percent. Okay, yeah, that's kind of what I thought. All right, so, now a little more Scottish. Yeah. <laughs> But I would, I'd be, (laughs) I have kids sleeping. I'm not doing a banshee. Well, um, I, I'd be tempted to like, start going like, dude, ease up. You're going to be suspended. You can't hit him like that. Like, okay. Like, like you're crazy. (laughs) What about, uh, I'm going to tickle you. No, I feel like you got to mix it up, kind of like a change-up. Like you can't always throw the fastball. Sometimes you got to do something different. Right. <laughs> I, I think about that when I'm watching the Olympics and you, you're watching the the Greco-Roman wrestling. Uh, you know, what if someone just like I got to I got to I got to resort to tickling here. I need to get this this man off of me. I I bet you there are rules. I bet you tickling a no hit. tickling rule. It has to have been addressed. I mean, how many like how many wrestling matches have there been? And you are so up close and like the sides are really open. So <laughs> I would think it would have to be addressed and it's probably named after somebody. You can, know, uh, like can you imagine Bob Costas having to like give the breakdown of then suddenly some large Russian man like just giggling uncontrollably on a mat? <laughs> I wonder if that's part of the training is like you work on like tickling desensitization. Oh, Konstantinov going in for his patented move. (laughs) Here comes the famous Russian tickler. He got him. He got him. He, you could see him biting his upper lip, you know, trying to 
Hold his steely reserve, but the the famous Russian tickler got him. I think All I right. would just coat myself in Ben Gay or something. I would just be, or Vapo Rub. You know what I mean? Like just be totally tingly. Well, that would have to count as doping. <laughs> that would like you would get a IOC ban like immediately. Vic Vapo Rub is a banned substance. I, well, if it prevented tickling, which we're assuming is allowed. <laughs> This is what happens when Eagles win. Um, well, you know, it's what happens when the Eagles win in a in a game that you know, I don't want to say it was over before it started, but was is there any worry whatsoever that they weren't going to win this game? Like as soon, not that you know, not that Sam Darnold is some sort of uh, I don't know world beater or anything like that, but as soon as they announced that he wasn't going to start, um, you know, it really took any little minute amount of drama that that this game might have had out well we were up 14 nothing at the blink of an eye you know it's yeah so any doubt like oh you know is this a trap game you know we we beat green bay we have minnesota coming up you know what's going on and this lowly jets team comes in maybe maybe just maybe they catch us sleeping and we're up 14 nothing and it you know isn't even that close and you're like no no we're we're just gonna roll today so it was just kind of a a very calm football sunday you know my anxiety was not high at all my anxiety was far higher for the beginning of the the dallas green bay game but you know we'll probably get to it but even then anxiety was low all day for a football sunday to a certain degree I feel like the Eagles maybe have already gotten that whole like trap game caught sleeping thing out of their system. Um, Cause honestly that Atlanta loss after today, that one feels worse to me than the Detroit loss by a lot. Um, Atlanta does not look like a football team that's got their act together. It seems like they can, they just aren't able to, to even put together drives at this point. Um, I watched... What did they let up? 52 or something like 53, that? 53, I think, against... Wow. Uh, they made Deshaun Watson basically look like uh, uh, he was on his way to the Hall of Fame today. And, um, yeah, no, they couldn't stop Will Fuller if they had put five guys on him. It just, it just makes me wonder if um, we had been at full strength in that game, what we would have done. It seems like... Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey really would have made a difference in that game. Um, so it's it's hard to – that feels like a, a worse loss. Uh, and it's hard to even knock us so much for that. The Detroit game, it seems to me that Detroit may be able to – to counterpunch a little bit. And if anything, that was the game that we kind of we kind of came in and, and, and took for granted. So I wasn't so much worried that we were going to approach this as a trap game or that we were going to come in sleeping. I feel like we we understand the stakes right now that we're, we were two and two. We literally just need to rack up wins at this point going into this, this stretch of this season that we are going into. Uh, so they needed to buckle down, do exactly what they did today, and uh, be ready because the next four games that they're going to play in the next five weeks are going to be a murderer's row. There is not a an easy game in the bunch, and uh, you've got three on the road right away. Uh, yeah, what is uh, what does that look like? Um, it's Minnesota it's Vikings. Yeah, go then, ahead. And then I think it's Minnesota, then Dallas, and then yeah, and then Buffalo, Buffalo, all on the road. Bye week, New England at oh. home. 
Bears, Patriots, Seahawks. Yeah, is, I is mean, it Bears, Patriots. The, I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought it was bye week Patriots. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, but those are the next six games. Um, that Bears team doesn't look to be that good anymore. Yeah, I mean today, and I don't know if it was a a matter of they are they were overseas or whatever. Um, no Trubisky. No Trubisky. Again, not a guy I would think of as a as a world beater. I just thought I I still think that their defense is 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 really good. Uh, I just don't think that they have much of anything on offense at this point. Um, but yeah, no, I mean not an easy game. Do we get the Bears at home though? At least. Yeah, they're home. But if I said, all right, look, here's the teams. Vikings, Bills, Bears, Patriots, Seahawks. You could have three of them at home. You know, which ones would you take? You'd clearly take Seahawks, Patriots, and then probably Vikings, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. I think so, so. so at least you get two out of the three that you want at home. Yeah. Like you definitely want the Seahawks at home. For sure. They're they're a very different team away from that stadium. So what do they got to go? What, they got to go three and three, four and two. Four and two would be awesome. That would your four and two. I think we're having conversations about being the top seed in the NFC. Um, three and three, I feel like is like an absolute. Like you have to be. That's got to be your mindset. Is you've got to go three and three because that puts you at five losses with having to basically run the table to get to eleven. I feel like you need yeah. to get to eleven to get a buy. Uh, 12, I think, is going to be pretty damn close to getting you home field. Um, so it's really but, important to but not— But after that, after those six games, Dolphins, Giants, Redskins, Cowboys, Giants. Yeah, you've got one more real hard game. Now, when—and then we've got Dallas at home at the back end. Right. Which is, so I we think play Dallas you, on the road first. Which is, I think, where you want to put them, too. Yeah, I mean, and all right, so we might as well just move on to that. So going into this day, I, I, my, the my my attention was much more focused on Cowboys Packers than it was Eagles Jets. Same. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it was that was the game that I was geeked up for today. Same. Um, I thought I was going to enjoy the the ass kicking more than I actually did. I'm like, whoo, I just want a game like I don't have to care about just to see him coast. And pretty much after the first quarter, I was like, all right, man, let's bring on that that Green Bay uh, Cowboys game. So, yeah, that one that one was definitely the more fun, the more exciting one. Well, for a bit. <laughs> so, Dave, what was your what was your take going into the game? Did you did you see Dallas coming out hot? Did You know, where did you think it was going to go? Right. So going into the game, um, my, yeah, I, I, you know, these teams coming off losses are really dangerous teams. So, you know, both the Cowboys and Green Bay were coming off of a loss and I really wanted to take uh, Green Bay. I wanted to take the money line, but the fact that they were, you know, in Dallas gave me pause. And I just wasn't sure. And just watching us on the ground shred that Green Bay defense and just the thought of, you know, Zeke uh, going between the tackles all day long uh, really uh, had me concerned. Like, I I, I really – I think it was more I wanted Green Bay to win more than I actually thought they were going to win. Um, but all the all the clues were telling me, like, Dallas is going to win this game. Uh, and, man, I, I don't know what happened. It's like a, It was like a totally different team. And, and I think maybe the Cowboys need to start looking at the mirror and saying – like, what are we against teams that are not 
teams that probably should be relegated to a lower league or something like, you know, you're not playing the, the, the giants, Redskins and, and dolphins anymore. And, you know, you've lost both of those games. It's funny. I think it was a case of early in the season, they were getting all this pub that like, Oh, Dallas is back. America's team is back. Uh, Dax is going to make all this money and, and, and Zeke is going to, going to, you know, run for 1500 yards and 25 touchdowns. Um, and then they went into New Orleans. And even going into that New Orleans game, there were a lot of uh, pundits being like, well, you know, New Orleans is a good team. And, uh, you know, don't be surprised if Dallas loses this game. Um, and then di- Dallas did. And and they lost on three on four field goals. You know, it's not like New Orleans ran all over the field on them. They, they, they literally could not score points to beat four field goals. Um, and then today, I feel like after the game – Jerry Jones and all of those people like, oh, you know, you, you weren't supposed to beat New Orleans. It was a tough game. Get it out of your head. You're you're still America's team. You're still the best. You know, here comes Green Bay. You got this. And I feel like they just, they did not, they do not think that they, they think that they're way better than they are. They just have that kind of like false arrogance more than like what really good teams have. And uh, the Rams, I feel like, have that same kind of air about them. They think that they're good and, and they can get punched in the mouth real quick. And I feel like when you get a mean Green Bay team and you get a mean Aaron Rodgers in town, um, that is a dangerous recipe. And I, I had the same thought that you did. Zeke looked like he was going to... They, they, the Packers didn't look like they had any ability to stop the run, but they figured something out on tape or or something. Um, and, and they looked really good against Zeke. They also put up points early enough to kind of make Dallas have to play catch-up, which I think was also important. And... I I was lying to myself. Like, going to this game, I was going, well, Dallas hasn't beat anybody. Dallas hasn't beat anybody. We've said they beat up on bad opponents. You know, so maybe that's true. But I kind of felt in the back of my head, you know, they were going to prove us wrong. You know, Zeke was going to chew up and and spoon feed himself, whatever the fuck he does. Sorry, I've been drinking, so I'm going to be cursing more today. <laughs> um, spoon feeding himself after every big run um, through Green Bay. And it was just going to be, okay, Dallas is a real legitimate threat. And they're better than I want to give them credit for. And as that game went on, man, it was so great to see that they're... I don't want to say that they're not, but that they that theory of they haven't played anybody good and they've lost to the good teams um, held water. They, they didn't look great. They didn't look like a big threat. I mean, before the green Bay game, we were saying the Eagles have to win this game or else Dallas is going to pass them so fast that they will have no shot at the division. And it's amazing how fast that's kind of all that narrative is all kind of flipped on its head in two weeks. Um, yeah, and and to see you know Dallas play Green Bay right after we did, it was a real nice litmus test. You know, Green Bay versus the Eagles. This looked like, hey, this could be an NFC Championship game preview. You know, this is going to be somebody you're going to be concerned about as we're getting towards the end of the year. And it looked like that kind of matchup. It looked like two good teams playing each other. Today, where Green Bay uh, Green Bay played Dallas, it did not. It looked like okay, one team is certainly a tier above the other. 
And that was great to see. That was really reassuring. That made me happy as hell. Yeah, and uh, I mean, like, just it, you just enjoy the misery of it. Uh, did you see the uh, did you see the clapper got penalized <laughs> uh, for slamming the the uh, the challenge flag down? I did see that. The ref enjoyed that. I love. I love. Dallas is so mad. They're so frustrated, and it really sounded like Green Bay fans took over that stadium, which again I love. No, David, oh, yeah. those weren't Packers fans. Those were Ellen fans. There was a lot of Ellen fans. Uh, she was in the booth today, so. Well, I'm sorry, that? Ellen was in the booth? <laughs> Did you see that they, they made a big stink, about, as they always do whenever they're in Dallas, about the dignitaries that show up because Jerry always has guests. And, you know, last year you would see a lot of Chris Christie. I noticed you haven't seen – maybe he's there. He just doesn't make it on camera anymore because nobody cares. <laughs> but uh, today they were promoting um, there's going to be an opening of a Medal of Honor uh, – uh, museum in uh, Arlington, which actually sounds like something I would like to see if I'm ever in Texas. Uh, but uh, I, amongst the dignitaries, as they they panned past the shot in the owner's box of George W. Bush, Laura Bush, which makes sense. They're there promoting the museum, and then sitting on next to Laura Bush is Ellen DeGeneres. And I've never been more like puzzled by why somebody like i could not figure like i is ellen a well-known cowboys fan i don't think she's from texas uh, i don't associate her in any way with the nfl it just seemed like one of those bizarre like if you were playing a game of where's ellen uh like oh my god they're they right there in the striped hat like there she was the whole time um <laughs> i would love to hear that that owner's box <laughs> you know that must have been awkward as hell then also funny because ellen's funny but like <laughs> But like, doesn't that seem like the like the worst party planning or like wedding table design in the history? Either that or Ellen's going to lose some street cred hanging out with so many uh, Republican officials. Yeah, I mean, like this isn't just some ex president. This is George W. Bush. Like, it feels like the two of them should be like mortal. They should be like mortal this enemies. Isn't some ex president. This is the ex president. <laughs> the ex president. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how many ex-Republican presidents are alive? It, uh, is it just, just W? The one, I think, yeah. Yeah. And so. Yeah. And he was at Dallas Stars game the other day. And I think in in the Trump era, it's just, you know, Ellen's like, all right, you know, I used to not like you. But <laughs> things True. could be worse. True. W will probably outlive Trump, right? Yeah. I would think so. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, he's just chilling on the ranch. Like, he's got good genes. Look how long uh, George H.W. Uh, and Barbara live. Like, he's got great That's genetics. True. Like, you know, he's got everything. He's got the. He's got plenty of good food. He's got a, you know, he's got all those family things going on. He's, he's, he's fine. He's going to make it. And, like, the weight of his legacy is off his shoulders now. Because, like I joked, you know, all right, you know, uh, George W. was always very popular on the right, very unpopular on the left. You know, we're two presidents later, and now the left is like, <laughs> I'm not saying has come around on him, but definitely he is lower on the pecking order of, you know, people for criticism. So, you know, yeah. he didn't do anything and his reputation got better. So maybe that's why, he, like, all I do is go to sporting events and go, hey, that guy wasn't so bad. Like, it must well, be a if pretty Jerry, nice life. If Jerry's in, like, a race to bring the most awful people possible to watch Cowboys games with him, you know, he could do a lot 
he could do a lot worse than uh, than W and NL and DeGeneres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, it's, uh, he should recalibrate his 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 list of evil. But anyway, they, they they have a lot of trouble in that stadium filling it with cowboy fans. We'll just put it that way. It's because there's so many goddamn seats that that I think that place holds um like one billion people. I I, it, <laughs> I think that's how many people it holds. One billion. And Dak Prescott looked like uh like a I, I don't know like someone who's never played quarterback before today. He's like losing money by the game. Are there people outside of Cowboy fans that think Dak is anything other than ordinary? I'm not saying he's bad. I mean, we can talk about whether he's bad or not. But I'm saying anything other than uh, replacement level starting quarterback. Because I have no reason to believe so. Now, now, there are the Dallas lovers who go, oh, Dak is so good. You know, He's better than Wentz, which I mean you know, watch two games, you know, that's not true, but am I missing something? Is he better than average? I, Cause I really don't see it. I mean, there's a lot of shitty quarterbacks in the NFL, right? And, you know, and it, it brings up, a, you know, it's something I often think about, you know, you mean to tell me on the planet, there's not 30 guys that, you know, are good quarterbacks. Apparently like that's not. how rare it is to be a good quarterback is like, you know, we're talking about 5 billion people on the planet earth. And when we got 30 guys that are starting quarterbacks and of them, like 10 are really good. That's a really good question, Dave. I mean, maybe it's just not the proper, like shouldn't vetting. every team have a good quarter. Like, I just don't get it. Yeah, I think I that they, it's they that think rare. that they do have a good quarterback, uh, and and some of them are just wrong. No, I mean like the Jets know that they don't have a good. You know, you know what I mean. Like well, the Bears. Sam, don't I mean, have a Sam good, Darnold yeah. might be a good quarterback. He just has mono. The the Bills don't have a good. You know, like there's lots of teams that just don't have a good quarterback right now. Yeah, no, you're you're not. Or you're just mired with a guy who's just. Uh... Well, there also might be a certain amount, of, a certain point where guys that maybe have the correct skill set don't have the personality makeup to actually pursue the, you know, the NFL. Um, I mean, even if you just talk about American athletes, think about, um, you know, if you had those skill sets, um, if you could hurl a ball accurately um, at a target. Um, wouldn't you rather pursue a career in baseball? It seems like it's a lot less dangerous. And that's true. Um, you know, maybe the same skills as quarterback would make you a good point guard in basketball, something like that. But what jumps out to me is hockey, because that's what always jumps out to me. But <laughs> In hockey, we have these national organizations working on developing athletes. So if you notice, there's a whole bunch of good Finnish goaltenders. It's not a coincidence, and it's not genetic. You know, Finland's hockey program decided they wanted to focus on goaltending. Same with uh, Sweden a while back. Um, Canada. They are so deep down the center, it, it's ridiculous because they developed centermen. So 
since the United States is really the only football nation, it's not like we're going and playing the World Cup of American football. And it's like, damn, the English are kicking our ass because all they do is develop quarterbacks. We don't have a developmental program here, right? Like, yes, yes we, like do, Pop Jack, we do have. Yeah, a I think it's called Texas High School. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, it was called it's called high school. <laughs> like <laughs> the quarterback gets all the girls. Like what more motivation do you need? <laughs> but this is like because it starts young in these other programs that you are going and you have goaltending symposiums and you know weighing you know what you want to develop you know do you want to develop offensive players or defensive players where are you putting your most talented kid and i think that's just not happening in football i think you know the texas football system and pennsylvania too pennsylvania has a strong football but it's nothing like texas but you know maybe you're right me that is our you know developmental league where it's you know, if Austin doesn't beat Santa Fe, which is not in Texas, but <laughs> if Austin doesn't beat Fort Worth, um, you know, there's going to be real hell to pay. So maybe it's there. It's just something that occurred to me because I know in hockey and I, I imagine other sports as well, where there's international competition, they really focus on developing certain positions and and having a program to, you know, you know, something that might be a weakness now in 20 years is a strength. Oh, sorry, Chuck. I thought you were going to, uh, I thought you were going to cite the Dylan Panthers there with that example. The Dylan Panthers? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Friday Night Lights? Yes, sir. Only uh, saw the movie. Only saw the movie. I know the TV show was apparently amazing. I just never saw it. So I just have a uh, a quick update here. I did some research on can you tickle someone in a <laughs> wrestling match? This is what we call a callback, folks. Yeah. So um, I found a uh, I found a um, like a high school wrestling officiating forum where the question was asked. The response was, "You could try." But remember, with that much adrenaline or concentration, I highly doubt anyone would be ticklish. Being a referee for the sport, it could be classified as taunting or unsportsmanlike conduct, since you would have since you would have to have a clear advantage to do this. It would be up to the referee, since there's no written regulation about it. For me, I would just have to make a judgment call. There you go. I can't believe that's not in writing. Although the adrenaline point is probably a, a good one. Yeah. I've never been really psyched and also been tickled, but honestly, it's <laughs> never come up. It's never been like, you know, Chuck, do you take this woman? Tickle, tickle, tickle. <laughs> like it's never, it's never come up. I've, I also found a unofficial UFC uh, forum where the question was asked, can you tickle someone in a UFC fight? Um, now, this is like not an official forum. This is just people chiming in. Um, but someone commented, I'm sure it's legal, but it probably doesn't work. And you'd look like a bitch. <laughs> so I don't know that there is a better answer than that. 
I, I, I don't know. I think maybe go back to the taunting. I think it might look like a badass. <laughs> you know, it's if you like could, I feel like it more it would be more effective as like as a psychological aspect, like psychological warfare, to show up like in your your gi or whatever they call the thing you wear when you wrestle. Uh, I'm sure there's singlet. A, your singlet, and it just says like tickle monster. And it's got like <laughs> Elmo on the thing and then you know so like when you show up in that like it's gonna kind of cut put into the your opponent's head isn't like, that kind of like joker level um oddness yeah, like if the joker yeah. was a high school wrestler that's yeah he would definitely have like i'm gonna tickle you on his singlet <laughs> be yeah, ready but if it was the joker is i'm gonna tickle you and like he'd get pinned like a minute in it's like <laughs> i didn't tickle you you didn't tickle me at all yeah but your whole family's dead like what <laughs> Like, who's laughing now? Nobody. Nobody's laughing now, Joker. Very good. Very good. What, um, what else on the Eagles? We're still talking about the Eagles, right? And, uh, and the Cowboys, sort of. I don't necessarily – I guess my, my the one thing I wanted to ask you guys Who are they is, playing next week? Cowboys? Um, yeah. I'll, I'll Google it. While we're doing that, let us let me let me ask you. At this point, we're through five weeks of the season. Oh, they have the Jets. Oh, good. Okay, that's a win. Yeah. Uh, so is it at least we really need to take care of business against the Vikings. So we're five weeks into the season. Who is – is there anybody that – NFC first. I think there's a couple of good teams in the AFC. Is there anybody in the NFC that you're like, I don't want anything to do with that team. Um, I hope they get eliminated before we ever have to play them. Uh, is there anybody that you feel is just a, a class above – Everybody else in the in the in the in the conference. I would say no, but that also unfortunately includes the Eagles. You know, I I don't think there's anybody. It's like, you know, all roads lead through Minnesota or L.A. or whatever. I don't see that, but I don't see the inverse being true either. So, as much as I like a lot of what I've seen out of the Eagles. I can't say that, you know, just yet. I can't say that, you know, we're the team to beat. I think these next six games will go a lot, you know, a long way towards that. But I'm not seeing it out of anybody else either. Um, I, I, I'm always afraid of the Seahawks. Uh, I think that they are a very dangerous team. Uh, I'm also sort of concerned about the the saints because they're four and one and breeze is coming back. It's not like breeze is done for the season. So yeah. I would put those two at the top of my list, but I also have to kind of, you know, earmark the Cowboys in that category um, because they have had our number the last, last season or two. So I guess those are the three teams that I'm most concerned about. And we split with them last season, right? Uh, uh-uh. Oh no, they took two, two. No, they won all of them. Right. Well, then we've got to have a we got a little bit of a revenge, I think. Come on, going to factor into. It's been like seven hundred and some days since the Eagles have beat the Cowboys. Yeah, that's that's too long. That's too long. Um, does anybody consider the 49ers a real threat? They're four and zero. They play tomorrow. Uh, well, the three and zero. They play tomorrow. Three and zero. They play tomorrow with a chance to go to four and zero. They're the only undefeated team in the in, in the conference, uh, ahead of both the Rams and Seattle. Uh, so any, any, any concern about them? Do you, are you surprised maybe? So they've played the Bucks, Bengals and Steelers 
Steelers without Roethlisberger. Um, I don't know that they've been tested yet totally, but they have a receiving core. And, and Jimmy G seems like uh, it, it, it is interesting to see him upright. It feels like, you know. I mean, he will be hurt by week eight. That is kind of the, the way it goes out there. But, man, they're, they uh, their schedule is super weak. Yeah. Like super weak. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, most of their hard games are their division. Their division games, yeah. I mean, they got Panthers, uh, Redskins, uh, Falcons coming up. I mean, it's a pretty weak schedule outside of the outside of the uh, the West. So it's and it's like you said earlier. It just be a playoff team. It, it it feels like there's just a lot of bad teams this year. It feels like there's a lot of bad teams this year. The Bengals and Miami might be historically bad teams. I mean, don't count out the team we played today. I mean, that was that was atrocious. And could you imagine being Adam Gase like you were the coach of Miami? Yeah. <laughs> um, but that shitstorm moved on from you. Right. <laughs> he he was almost our shitstorm. I think we seriously considered hiring him. Yeah, I mean, remember when we didn't want Doug? You know, that's kind of like the thing with Eagle fans. It's like you don't even know what's best for yourself. It's like, yeah, you really wanted Ricky Williams, right? Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah, it's like you. everyone wanted Adam Gase or um, who was the other dude that totally uh, flamed out at the Browns? I was thinking the guy that that, that took over for the Giants, uh, their offensive coordinator. Uh, oh, McAdoo. McAdoo, yeah. Yeah, McAdoo. And he only lasted the, the a year The guy that took over for the Browns, um, he was supposed to be some sort of like hot shit new coach before they fired him and, and brought in uh, Freddie Kitchens. Yeah. Yeah, tomorrow is really going to be a battle of like which sexy early preseason pick for the Super Bowl by uh, by like 20-year-old gamblers is going to pay out. Yeah, true, true. You know, I kind of it was going back to that point, like you know, you didn't want this guy, now you got him, and he winds up being the the better fit. I mean, it, it, are Giants fans going to rue the day that they booed the pick of Daniel Jones? Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure that he's going to hold it against them for the next thirty years, like Donovan McNabb holds it against us. <laughs> <laughs> Number five will always love you. Number eight will always love you. Yeah. Number five will always love you as long as you didn't boo me. <laughs> yeah, we talk about Donovan a lot on this show, but for holding a grudge, he is first ballot Hall of Fame. You know, passive aggressive. His numbers are great. Um, but that was snarky aside. Shitty, that was pretty shitty behavior. Again, Angelo Cataldi, thank you very much. But but pretty was, shitty behavior. Like that's supposed to be like a a highlight moment of your life being drafted into the NFL, and you got these drunk assholes booing you. But it was such a small percentage of the of the fan base that just happened to to want to make the trip up to New York. Really, this is the the league's fault. They shouldn't let any of these goofballs into the building. It should only be family and friends that are allowed to watch the draft. Everybody else has to watch it at home. I don't know. We we haven't had many of these instances, and I I feel like, and I I don't think there's a real good way to quantify it, but I feel like. WIP had a lot more sway at that time 
you know, there might have been. Well, there was, was no fanatic. Like there was no other station. I don't. There think was where. no fanatic. Um, there really wasn't a, a sports net, and 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 that kind no of no podcast yeah, to save was... you from the bastion of <laughs> exactly bullshit. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Um, but no, there really wasn't in the what the freaking dirty thirty. You know, go up there. It's like we want a running back to build our team around. You know. Like, even just that gives you a pause. Like, you get the choice of a franchise quarterback or a franchise running back. You well, know, and the you other amazing that quarterback. The, the other amazing thing is, of all of the quarterbacks in that class, Donovan was the only good one, really. Yeah. Like, do, does anybody talk about Akili Smith? Yeah. Not unless you're answering a trivia question. Wasn't the other good one like Dante Culpepper? Was he the other one? Yeah, and I think he was. Yeah, and I think that he had an okay career, but not yeah, not anywhere Donovan, near Donovan's. Donovan was the best. Um, okay, so next week Vikings. Uh, yo, we dropped the puck on a new hockey season. Yes, we did, and we started with a win in Prague. Yeah, I, I like I saw a tweet that was like, um, d- you know, dear uh, dear NHL, please don't start the Flyers at 10 p.m. on the West Coast this year. Thanks. And NHL was like, sure, we won't start you at 10 p.m. on the West Coast. We'll send you to goddamn Prague and start the game <laughs> at two o'clock on a weekday. Yeah, I saw that same thing, but it was it was much more succinct. It would just said it was just Thanks, a picture. It, it was it was. Just- <laughs> 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 the fucking fucking uh, editor's uh, ex- unabridged version yeah. uh, here on the on the podcast. <laughs> exactly. It just said thanks, fam. That was just an NHL logo. It just said got you, fam. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> I'm happy we workshopped that joke here live on the air. God, we so are difficult. To so, how did you guys watch the game? I, I watched dots uh, for a little while, and I listened to it on the radio on the way home. Um, I used the NBC uh, sports app and I listened to it on the Flyers app and I was sort of alternating between what I could get away with at work. (laughs) I probably watched most of the game without any sound. Um, So yeah, I watched most of it on my phone. Uh, I did watch it entirely without sound, but that was because I was working remote. So I was able to watch it at home in my living room um, on TV. I just had it muted um, because I was working. So it was kind of watching it over the top of my laptop after I was working with the with the sound off. Um, but yeah, no, I was able to actually watch the entire game. You know, it just so happened to work out that they opened the season in the middle of the day on a day that I was home from work. So it just I, I, I pulled the, you know, the lucky straw on that one. Really tough to watch hockey with the sound off. I got to be honest. I need the um, the like the crescendo of the announcer to know like oh, I need to turn. I got to focus now if I'm <laughs> doing something else. Like if you're working while the game's on, it's like you're like, no, no, no. you know you need to be able to hear that excitement build so you can whoop, move your attention over to the the screen. But anyway, I can see that. I can see that it. I, I was able to pay attention enough. The hardest part is when you have some of the newer guys like a Torinsky and uh Bunneman in there, like you don't quite recognize their number yet. Uh, same thing with Pitlick. You don't qu- you know quite recognize their build. So you're like, who the hell is that? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Thankfully their names are kind of 
unique. So if you can pick those out on your cell phone at work, um, you can tell what's going on. But it was a good game. It was a good game yeah. after we didn't get to talk about the the loss to the Swiss team, like Lucerne or Lucerne, not Lucerne, but like Lucerne or something like that, um, which wasn't fun. Um, yeah, that's was, the one where Carter Hart let up like four goals in the first period or something like that. Yeah, he didn't look good. Um, now, that I was pretty quick to write off for the idea that there was a big joke going around that they're all hungover. I don't know how much of a joke that was because <laughs> they probably are were all hungover. And I don't, I don't even know if it was one of those things where they were well, they had just gotten inebriated, but so much as dealing with the transcontinental, um, not transcontinental, um, flying into Europe, international flights, transatlantic, transatlantic. Thank you. Um, <laughs> dealing with changing time zones and being totally different and, and having to adjust. Also, this is a preseason game for the Flyers, um, and it's the basically Game Seven of the Stanley Cup for this this Swiss team. Like, this will be something that they could ride probably for a while. Like, we beat uh, an NHL squad. That's that's something that you can wear as a, a badge. I wonder if you get like a star underneath of your shield on on your sweater. Um, <laughs> but you know, for the Flyers, it's like we we just need to not get hurt. Nobody get hurt. Everybody stay healthy. We have to play the Blackhawks in like two days. Yeah, and it was on international ice, which actually made me feel a lot better about uh, Carter Hart, you know, having such a poor performance because, you know, goaltending is a lot about angles. It's a lot about where you position yourself and where the shooters are coming from. And when the ice is 10 feet wider, maybe even more uh, on international ice, well, it changes things up and I much rather have him look bad in a preseason game on the wrong, wrong ice than him look good and screw up his game. Um, and yeah, so, but it was a little disconcerting. Like we didn't look dominant outside of one game in the preseason. Um, there was lots of individual plays or players where people look good, but I was I was a little concerned going into that Blackhawks game. And then pretty quickly into it, I was not. I mean, whatever. We've seen lots of teams win the preseason and, uh, you know, not play great in the regular season. Uh, So, you know, what connect me? I mean, way to come out of the shoot here. Damn straight. Worth the contract, or at least you feel that way right now. Yeah, he probably was going to be worth the contract. Yeah, so we're, I mean, no we're in a reaction theater to game one of a yeah. long stretch here. So, you know, we're yeah, just we, we overreact to everything. Yeah, we don't have much to go on, but Konechny looked great. And that chip he, he has on his shoulder, you know, is kind of a thing like a, an elite winger should have to be a bit of an asshole. And he, he certainly can be. Um, but both his goals were solid goals. The second goal was a thing of beauty, you know a come in deke around one guy and then backhand top shelf was gorgeous um pointed out you know none of the biggest names had any points that game we had two from connectney one from lindblom and one from raffle and nothing from Giroux, uh couturier hayes voracek which is not a bad thing what else is new 
<laughs> Give the C to Travis Konechny right now. So, Chuck, hey. um, what did you what did you think about uh, the the head coach in his in his in his debut? Did you uh, any takeaways on style of play or uh, how he how he sh- used the lines or d- did he make any adjustments that you thought uh, were noteworthy? The lines were mixed up after the loss to that uh the Swiss pro team and that was a bit odd um so because they were line combinations we really hadn't seen before but they worked well um and I think one game is just too small sample size one of the things that stood out in the game was the ice was pretty crappy so a lot of bouncing pucks, a lot of missed passes. Um, Perovarov had a couple giveaways that weren't the greatest, but you have to wonder maybe he was trying to do something with the puck and it kind of went the other way. Um, but a lot of playing fast, and I can't remember what coach says it. Maybe Ken Hitchcock, but they talk about being a fast team. Does this mean players' speed? It means the speed of the puck, too. So nothing moves faster than the puck. So if you are doing long outlet passes, stretch passes, and all of a sudden, you know, the puck goes from your defensive zone to the neutral zone to in the offensive zone, you know, that that's pretty quick movement. And I did see some of that uh, in this game, a real, you know, uh, penchant to stretch the ice and if that continues, I'll be really happy, and I think everyone else will so as, as po- well. As opposed the to penalty our... kill, too. The penalty oh. kill has been very good throughout. As opposed to our, uh, I guess we had kind of gotten used to maybe the the style of like the defenseman carrying through neutral ice. Um, was that more of what we saw a lot of last year? Uh, part of the problem with last year is I feel like they never really found an identity. Um, but uh, you know, do you do you think that this might be closer to what the kind of what they want to instill is this? you know, move the puck, you know, into, into attack from go from defense to attack as fast as possible. We had an unfortunate amount of dump and chase under Dave Haxtell, um, which the reason I was a bit hesitant because early on when he first got here, we were seeing a lot of those stretch passes, outlet passes from defensemen. Now we would see, you know, as time went on more of the defensemen carrying it up get to the blue line, drill it to the corner, have one of our wingers try to fish it out before the other guy does and taking low percentage shots uh, from the point. Whereas here, uh, and the the behind the glass thing on NHL Network, which goes up on YouTube like two days later, check that out. Uh, Vino talks a lot about putting the puck on the net, taking lots of shots from lots of different places. And... I'm seeing a lot more action in the slot, a lot more things trying to go through center as opposed to, you know, taking shots from the point, taking shots from the corners where, yeah, your shot's going to get through, but the goalie's going to see it the whole way here, you know, more chance that the shot's going to get tied up and somebody else skates. But if it makes it to the goalie has a better shot of going in. I mean, there's a, there's a lot more to that, but we're seeing, Again, very early, um, a a leaning towards action, leaning towards putting the puck on the net, um, 
And yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens this game against the Devils. The Devils have struggled their first two games. Um, they might have some real goaltending issues if Corey Schneider remains unsteady and unhealthy. So the opener on Wednesday, I would I would love to see more there. The ice is going to be better. The team is going to be together a little bit longer. And this devil team is going to come out to play us strong. And hopefully we can, you know, show we're the better team. So this coming Wednesday should be a pretty good test before going out to Canada for three games. Can we standardize the goddamn ice somehow in the NHL? Like, can it just be the same every, like we, we could, uh, you know, we could put a man on the moon, <laughs> but uh, we can't have the same temperature ice at every arena. That's hard. That that's hard. I mean, the the dimensions have been standardized. They weren't always, but they the dimensions have been standardized in the NHL. Uh, I don't know. I like. I I think there should teams be teams do it like based on play style of their team. Can you can you manip- like you know like a. I don't know, like a fast baseball team will say, like, grow the grass longer, you know, or whatever. I have heard a bit of that, where if you have, you know, like the New Jersey Devils, who didn't want shit moving at all, you know, Mm, back in their glory days of the trap. I have heard, and I have no idea how true this is, that, you know, their their rank was kept warmer than most. (laughs) So That's That's Belichickian. It is, and there's... Uh, Lou Lamarillo, for a long time known as Loophole Lou, uh, is the guy who would do it. Um, I haven't heard anything about that actively now, and it just comes down to having a good person managing your ice. You know, I also feel like we've ex- the NHL. I say we like I'm a member of the you know a voting <laughs> member of the board. Uh, the NHL has expanded into all of these different climates, and I just wonder if there's you know humidity in places that you know hockey wasn't necessarily meant to be in that that just causes these kinds of issues i'm gonna say no because hockey's meant to be everywhere damn straight damn straight um congo (laughs) like the humidity in the congo won't rest until there's hockey in the congo (laughs) that's my favorite michael crichton sequel um but (laughs) What the hell is I saying? Oh, it, it all comes managing the temperature of the building. Um, and you will see it. I noticed, like, let's say, like we had here um, over the end of last week where there was a 30 degree drop from one day to the next. Something like that happens. You're going to probably have pretty bad ice. So if you can just manage your arena, then that's going to be fine. Pittsburgh, I don't know if they've gotten better recently, but their new building had horrible ice, and it's Pittsburgh. There's no good excuse for that. You know, and when you get into June, it becomes harder all around. Tampa has a hard time. Florida has a hard time. But I I think maybe make it more of a priority, and then you can do it, but it might have to be getting new stadiums for some people, and who knows if that's, that's feasible. All right, what else we got on the Flyers? Anything else? Um, Joel Farabee and uh, Phil Myers sent down to the AHL. Good, about time. <laughs> <laughs> I 
people are, are losing their shit over this. I think we had two young guys make the team in uh, Torenski and Bunneman. So all we do, we have a tremendous amount of depth. If, you know, Patrick hopefully is healthier sooner rather than later, and you get Frost, you get Farabee and Myers down with the Phantoms ready to come up, and you have other people in the pipeline like a Bunneman or Torensky or uh, Rubsov um, or uh, Vorobiev. You know, if you have all these people knocking on the door, then an injury or two doesn't become devastating. It becomes, hey, you found a new prospect. You have a new piece to play. So that's currently going on. I'm not too concerned about it right now. I think we'll see both Farabee, well, everyone. Faraby and Myers and probably Frost as well, you know, all up here before Thanksgiving or Christmas. That's pretty cool because I think those guys, like their ceilings are higher than maybe some of the guys that are currently on the team, even though they may not be playing at the, the same level right now. And that's such a great point. I'm happy that you made it because I see some ridiculous arguments and, and I deem them ridiculous. A lot of people seem to, to agree with them, but it's like, no, Faraby's, you know, he's he's the better player. Put him in right now. No, Torensky is the better player right now. And if he gets bumped down the fourth line, who cares? He's kind of in the area of where his skill set's gonna bring him. Whereas a Farabee can be a top, you know, two line player, maybe a top line player. We don't want him playing any lower than third line minutes. So you know, have these guys play, and then when the next guy's banging down the door, ha- put them in. And, you know, this is also how you find those depth guys, those, hey, how did this six-round pick get overlooked by everybody? Sometimes it happens in juniors. You know, sometimes it happens in college that you see the talent emerge. Other times it happens exactly like this. Somebody wins a job, and they go, oh, this guy's, you know, a nice steal to be a fourth-liner third liner, second liner, and now all of a sudden he's your top line winger. Right. So it's not a bad thing that somebody has earned their way onto this team. And if we have too many good players, we just trade them for more players or more picks to to keep the pipeline full. Right on. Okay, I guess it's time to go to Chuck's <laughs> penalty box. I was going to ask for... Uh for an update on the nationals and uh dodger game i don't have tv in here um i and this is going to be incredibly dated for the people listening at home um i'm the eight four dodgers bottom of the eighth okay uh i'd flipped on to football uh in the background this seems like it's been the longest sixth and seventh inning in the history of baseball (laughs) because i think it was into the sixth inning at least when we started the podcast since it's we've been doing this for an hour and it's only moved an inning and a half uh, yes, and, you know that St. Louis series is really pissing me off too. Before we get to the penalty box here, St. Louis takes a one nothing lead into the ninth today, and it's just <sighs> wheels fall off the cart. Like I can't be, ha- you know, Atlanta being in the National League Championship Series is going to be really annoying. And God forbid it's Atlanta versus uh, the Nats. Washington. Yeah. I know. That would be- that's unpalatable. Yeah, so. that will not be but good. I don't even like the Dodgers or St. Louis either. That's I don't like this. Like it's it's Astros or bust for me. I guess I can get behind St. Louis. I like Paul Goldschmidt, 
So I, I can get behind St. Louis winning that. Um, yeah, that is certainly the least offensive of those evils, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, you know, unless why, why do you hate the Dodgers? I don't know. I don't the, that '09. Uh, well, we played them both '08 and '09. Yeah, uh, seasons. I maybe I our friends who went out to L.A. and left the Phillies behind and became Dodgers fans. You know who you are. Um, I, I don't know. I just the Dodgers bug me. I, from Kirk Gibson on, I, I just don't like the Dodgers. All right, fair enough. Uh, but boy, and you know, switching over to the American League, the Yankees are just smashing the ball. Yeah, God, can that yeah. team hit? That that Yankees Astros series is going to be. It's going to be like the two epic. the two best of what they do, and it's not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. Anyway, all right, on to the penalty box, Chuck. Can <laughs> we do the drop again just to... Yeah, let's do the drop again. Let's go to Chuck's penalty box! All right, thank you, Dave. And we're going to throw it to Gene. We're going to make a little more work for Gene tonight. Gene, who is in your penalty box? Okay, so uh, starting last week, we started to see... Um... Twitter and social media fall in love with a with a very large man with uh, the fanatic tattooed on his yes. belly. Yes, um, and uh, I don't want to put him necessarily in the penalty box, and I I don't necessarily want to put the people that are that are sharing uh, sharing his videos uh, and photographs and selfies. But what I do want to put in is the fact that that is unfinished art. Uh, if if you've <laughs> compared last week's photos to this week's photos. Uh, you can see that there's been more color, more shading, and and some more writing that's been that's been added. And the frustrating thing to me is, he should have revealed this or unveiled this when it was completed in its glory. Really, uh, this is the same. T- it's to me, it's tantamount to uh, you know when Michelangelo was painting the Sistine Chapel and the Pope was banging down the door wanting to see the work. Uh, you know, Michelangelo had to chase him out with uh, you know off the scaffolding. You know, you'll see it when I'm done. Um, you know, there is probably some tattoo artist on South Street that's that's screaming at his television and Twitter feed. You'll see it when I'm done. Um, you know, it, it, did you see the Mona Lisa before she had hair? No. Uh, you know, did you see the David before he had balls? No. You know, so why are we seeing the fanatic before he's got a left hand? Um to me, it just feels like it's a disappointment that we didn't get to see it uh, the way that God, frankly, intended us to see that. Um, you know, and and for that, I think I'm going to put just our collective uh, our collective souls in the penalty box because we're not going to have that experience. Sorry. Wow. I was I wasn't expecting the damnation of all souls. I had like something lined up. I'm like, okay, this is good. I have something I can do with it, but we're all damned for all time. Um, but for for the loss of artistic integrity and not allowing artists to finish their process, um big dude with the fanatic tummy, uh, you're getting a 10-minute game misconduct. Think about your choices. Think about the art you're putting into this world and make certain it's ready when when you're presenting it to us. All right, Dave, who is in your penalty box and are we damning souls in the process? Um, 
maybe because we are in the month of uh, October and that means one thing Halloween uh, is right around the corner. So, uh, you know, we're thinking about we're thinking about candy. We're thinking about trick or treating. Um, but so I am putting uh, Eagles great Brian Westbrook Ooh. into the penalty box. Have you uh, have you seen Brian Westbrook's hot candy take? I have not. Gene. No. Brian Westbrook was doing an interview. I don't. I think it was a, maybe a Bleacher Report, uh, either podcast or or radio show. But Brian Westbrook condemns the combination of chocolate and peanut butter. Whew. Says uh, chocolate and peanut butter do not belong in the same snack. Everyone knows this. He says keep uh, keep Reese's away from him. He, he doesn't think uh, chocolate and peanut butter should occupy the same space, although he does endure, endorse peanut butter and jelly. He is totally diametrically opposed to chocolate and peanut butter. This is the worst take. This is terrible. Everyone savors the peanut butter cup when you get it in your Halloween candy. Yeah, it's definitely- When I was a kid, I would always separate the peanut butter cups, and they were like a, they were a precious treat. Like you'll eat whatever the M and M's, the Kit Kats, whatever. But if you went for a peanut butter cup, you were going for like one of the the gems in your bag. The Reese's peanut butter cup is the best, like candy. So to say chocolate and peanut butter don't go together, that's crazy. And and Reese's came at Brian Westbrook <laughs> on Twitter and offered to send him you know as much peanut butter cups as he wants they want him to show how a football player eats a reeses or something cuz he said you know if reeses wants to send me stuff I'll try it but I don't think chocolate and peanut butter go together which is bananas to me that that is horrible and uh, uh so Brian Westbrook um you're getting a 2 minute minor a 2 minute minor for um uh, misrepresenting uh, flavor combination. You're also getting sent to the quiet room. Uh, we're gonna have some doctors look you over, make certain you're doing okay. Um, I I just worry that he might not be well with that um with that take. Chuck, who's in your penalty box? All right, in my penalty box, it's gonna be a bit obscure for some people. Um, but some parents uh, might know what I'm talking about. It's a television show. It's currently on the Disney Channel. It is called Miraculous, The Adventures of Ladybug and Cat Noir. If you uh, haven't seen this, this show, show is shit. This show is crazy, <laughs> but my son enjoys it. He he takes he thinks of it as the Cat Noir show. And if you ever want to see the most Japanese French show or the most French Japanese show, it is miraculous. The adventures of ladybug and cat noir. And there, there's a lot of stuff going on there. I do recommend checking it out just for fun, probably be on something that'll help uh, your experience tremendously. But the reason it's going in the penalty box is in a show meant for children. That show is all about sexual tension. Like there are two lead characters and every single episode is whether or not they're going to do it. I mean, that's vaguely masked that like, oh, they're in love, yada, yada, yada. No, the short show is pure sex. It's whether the guy in the skin tight leather cat suit 
is going to hook up with the girl on all spandex. They're both in love with one another. It's it is uncomfortable to watch with my children. Um, outside of not being a terribly great show, <laughs> the sexual tension in a children's show is way too high. Um, so Ladybug, Cat Noir, get a room and you know let some of that tension die down. You're getting a 30 minute game misconduct. Have fun, you two. Whoa, risque children's shows. <laughs> and a high note here. Uh, all right, that's all the time we have for today, everybody. Uh, we'll be back with you next Monday, uh, recapping the Eagles Vikings game, uh, some more Flyers news, and uh, some resolution to some of these uh, postseason series. Um, so, uh, always, as always, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and please follow us on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you have any uh, additional time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out The Whip Around, uh, our sister show, which just hit episode 100. So congratulations Ooh. to The Whip Around. Chuck, were you going to make a woo, a woo? Oh, I thought I did. Woo. All right. Uh, all right. Until then, have a great day at work, everybody. We're out of here.